horror fam, best friends, and ghoulish nights, and welcome to the ninth episode of Murders with Mertens. This is a podcast about horror, comedy horror, the supernatural, sci-fi horror, body horror, the horror-adjacent thrillers, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I intend to sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Viewers new and old, thank you for tuning in to the Sledgling Podcast. You can provide some much-needed support for this little endeavor by subscribing to the channel, liking the video, dropping a comment below to keep the conversation going, and sharing an episode with someone you know who loves that particular film. It's all greatly appreciated. Finally, we're recording this on Mother's Day, so shout out to all the mothers out there, and all those, you know, mother is only half a word. You know who you are. Uh, so let's not waste any more time in introducing our guest guest for this episode, Aaron Sini. Aaron, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to be on your show. I uh, I don't get into a ton of horror, but when I do, I tend to love it. So I've been trying to like watch the movies that you've been recording about just to get me into more horror movies. So yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah well, I'll, we'll let this be a gateway drug for you. Um, right. Because <laughs> it becomes an obsession for a lot of people, to be fair. But uh, yeah, Aaron, who are you? Uh, I am Aaron Sini. I am the co-host of two different podcasts. I have the Speaking of Stadia podcast where we talk all things Stadia, the news going on, what's going on with cloud gaming in general. Um, and then I also have a comedy podcast called Give Me 20 with the one and only Mel Felker. Uh, that is an awesome 20-minute short-form podcast where we just talk crazy stories. We might try to work out some stuff for stand-up, things like that. So it's a lot of fun. Cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, we just uh, started talking a little bit more online recently, and I thought you'd be a fun guest for this. And uh, luckily, yeah. you have a favorite film that's uh, a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, tonight's movie, or today's movie, rather, because I think it's about two o'clock right now, uh, is 2017's comedy horror film, Happy Death Day, written by Scott Labdell and directed by Christopher Landon, son of the late great Michael Landon, and starring Jessica Roth. And let's be super real here. This film would be so meh without her. She absolutely oh, rules this entire thing. Yes. Perfect. If you swap her out with anybody else, I don't think it's as good of a movie. No, not at all. Not at all. This uh, would probably feel very generic slasher at that point. Um, yes. So, Aaron, what, what's your history with this film? Anything special? Um, you know, it's weird. It was just like... I was living in California when this came out and I remember just like having an afternoon to myself and I was like, ah, that looks fun enough. I'll go check it out. And like really didn't know too much about it. Like I had seen the trailer, I think. So I kind of knew the premise and just walked away like mind blown at how good it was in terms of like its premise and like this for all intents and purposes, this could have been an absolutely average film. And I left like absolutely in love with it. I was like, this was amazing. How great of a concept did they turn this into? And like you said, Jessica Roth just completely steals the show. And you are so in love with her character by the end of this. Um, so, yeah. And then I obviously watched the the sequel, which was fine. It was good enough. Jessica Roth was good in it. So got more of that. But um, no, this is one of those movies that I've constantly come back to as like like a comfort film, you know? Like, you're not sure what to put on, but you want to laugh. And this is great. It's it's so good. Yeah, it absolutely leaves you with a smile on your face. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't remember any 
particular significance with the first time that I saw it, like you, I'd seen the trailer, thought, oh, you know, that looks like fun, whatever. Uh, but, you know, my first viewing must have been impactful enough because I know I bought a Blu-ray of it, you know, shortly yeah. thereafter. And yeah, like you, it's it's kind of a good comfort film. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it, like we've talked about already, you know, if anybody else had been in this, this would have been such a paint by numbers slasher film, whatever. But sure. yeah, yeah, it's a uh, fun, unique stuff. And yeah, the sequel. Maybe not as good, but I do like that they really took it much more in a sci-fi direction. And yeah, you know. right. And I like that that's how they kind of flipped the formula. So it wasn't just another she's stuck in a loop, but everybody kind of getting to experience this and what like what is actually happening. So it was a fun enough explanation. I don't remember a ton about it. I think I only watched it the one time. Um, yeah, and this could just be a standalone forever, and it would be okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the the second one is a lot of fun. Sure. Does it really add too much to it? Eh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, they, they've talked forever about doing a third one. And uh, right. I, I know that uh, Christopher Landon has said that, yeah, you know, he's actively pursuing it and everything. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Blumhouse uh, was not exactly the happiest with how the sequel performed. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, if it and happens, I think it that's happens. the only reason we got a sequel was because they were so ecstatic of how, how the first one performed. They were just yeah. like, oh, wow, people loved this. Let's give them more. And that's just not always the answer. Sometimes we can just have a really good film and end it where it ends it and move not, on. Not everything has to be a 10 film franchise. Uh, absolutely. Yep. I'm totally down with that. Um, so why don't we kind of jump in here and get to what we like so much about this film, uh, starting with. The opening logos, I mean, you absolutely uh, know what is happening here because we get three separate tries of the Universal Pictures logo coming up, fizzing out, and starting over again. Yep. It's a great intro to it, and honestly, they do such a good job. Like, I love the world building at the beginning of this movie. Um, you get to see how terrible tree really is like she is not a good person she is a jerk all the way through um and you like don't really feel bad for her by the time she meets her first fate you're just like oh yeah yeah it takes quite a while for you to really get won over by her in any meaningful way um, yes she's a horrible person and that's very very clear from the get-go uh you know wakes up with a, am i in a dorm room you know just the <laughs> the sound of disgust in her voice and yeah. you know we're, we're introduced to carter whose room it actually is uh the young man that you know took her home because she was drunk as fuck and right. uh was concerned uh was nice enough not to take advantage of her thank god for that and right. uh yeah, it, very, very early, though, we are drawing attention to so many little details and yeah. it, maybe not necessarily picking it up in your first viewing, but uh, it becomes very clear how much they are pointing out the mundane and making sure that you understand you probably should be paying attention. Right. I love that we make sure we see the sprinklers. We make sure we have the guy staring her down, the saving the earth lady, the car alarm. Like they do a really good job of making sure that there's things in the world that they're going to be able to come call back to. Um, 
yeah and how she interacts with those pieces throughout the film and how she evolves as a person and interacting with those pieces i thought was fantastic sometimes she uses it as proof right sometimes we get to see it as character growth as she finally signs the girl's um petition she gets the pillow for the frat boy who falls asleep on the lawn like they ended up using it as such a really good plot device to so mm-hmm. show where she's at in the story and i thought that was fantastic yeah and this little walk of shame you know we get to this point shortly after passing by the uh the frat pledges uh she makes her way to this little uh covered walkway and it's where we're introduced probably to the first red herring character uh, I, I can't even remember the character's name, um, Tim? but yeah, Tim, uh, the, the jilted stalkerish guy that I guess yes. she went out on like one date with and he's like, oh, you haven't returned any of my texts. Right. Um, and she has her snarky little, you took me to a subway on our first date and trust me, you're not packing a foot long. Right. She's <laughs> right. like, wow, she is cold. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she blows him off and then makes her way home and, uh, after she gets inside the sorority house uh, and greeted by the lovely bitchy sorority sister, Danielle. And there are uh, so many terrible characters in this movie, but they add so much to it. And we, we get to kind of get vengeance on all of them along the way, which is really fun. Uh, But Danielle is definitely the worst out of all of them. Um, She is such a nightmare. And I love the times that we kind of get to see her get put in her place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and then we go from uh, one bitchy sorority girl to another because we get her awful roommate, Lori, uh, right. who reminds her of the uh, you know fun that she had the evening before. Uh, right. And then, oh, shit, late to class. Uh, worst birthday ever, you know. Um, right. But also, um, you know, she's not great in everything, but we also very much understand that Okay, Laurie's a little put upon because she has to room with Tree. Uh, right. Who's, again, awful person. And, you know, uh, Laurie likes the Lumineers, so, you know, she's not that awful. Um, right. Because we get that <laughs> song over and over again throughout this yeah. film. Um, but, uh, okay, so she gets to class, and, okay, it's very late, of course, but it's right. very, very obvious that she has some kind of uh, connection with this professor because of the glances exchanged and everything. Um, yeah. And and then you know. minutes later, we get confirmation of that, like they're in the office and um, mm-hmm. yeah, Gregory feels so scummy oh. all the time. Like you just get that vibe right away. Yeah. Um, but again, we're also solidifying how terrible Tree is. They really go out of their way to be like, this main yeah. character is not good. Like, yeah, she's just about breaking up has, a marriage here with her professor. Yes, she has very few redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. She's got her uh, house meeting uh, in um, some kind of outdoor seating. The quad. The quad, thank you. All, all um, colleges are always called the quad. <laughs> sure. Uh, and... There's, again, yeah. much detail that we have here. Um, but uh, what is it? The the chocolate milk explosion because of running yep. into Carter again and uh, just all that nonsense. The shaming of uh, her housemate, Becky, because of the chocolate milk and all the stuff on her food Poor tray Becky. there. Yeah, she's just mean to her the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, they really are. Oh, in so many ways, too. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, 
So yes, uh, things are not going well for tree. Uh, and, and we're not even 10 minutes into this film yet. Right. The, the, <laughs> we are still under 10 minutes in and all these little details will be very, very important. Um, so she obviously gets cleaned up and, uh, Oh, I think this is where she stops by the hospital to meet Gregory. Um, oh, yeah, it's after, right. uh, the, the lunchtime meeting, uh, but she gets another call from her dad, which she ignores and she's got the awful birthday ringtone that's so obnoxious, but we'll come back again and again. One of the few points that I get a little like confused by from a writer's standpoint of why choose that song? Cause she clearly doesn't want people to know it's her birthday. Her roommate constantly says, did you think I wouldn't figure it out? I'm like, how can you not figure it out? Her ringtone literally says it's your birthday in the most obnoxious way possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I... One of my, one of my few small nitpicks of this film of just like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> nope. Nope. But uh, I, I totally get uh, that is definitely a nit to pick. For sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, so she runs into her roommate again, uh, about to get on the elevator, and her roommate is pissed that she's there at the hospital because, well, of what is about to happen, the meeting yeah. with Gregory, because she knows that she's, right. you know, fucking her professor, and uh, she's not pleased about it. Uh, but uh, Tree just blows her off and goes up, meets with him, and then we get that whole scene with uh, them making out and the wife showing up and all that. Um, and the perfect kick of the rolling chair to yeah. stick up underneath the door. Incredible. Very, very lucky. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> how that lines up. Um, but uh, let's see here. Uh, and then, and still, we're still just creeping up on 10 minutes at this point. Um, but, you know, that, that whole scene happens, tree leaves, and then we're back at the sorority house, and her sister Danielle is an absolute bitch, again, stealing her top telling her she better not be late to the party, all that. And they have uh, this very, very uh, noticeable power outage um, yep. that occurs at a very specific time. And uh, then it comes back on and then it's time for Trito to walk off to the party. And she's listening to a horrible sounding voicemail from her father. Um, you know, I, I think we've all been at one point or another in our life uh, where, you know, maybe things are not going great with a parent or something and we get one of those voicemails and they are yeah. never fun to listen to. Right. But uh, but clearly you get the sense that she stood him up, right? Like mm -hmm. that it's really on Again. her. And so we have yet another point of like, wow, you are just bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and there's this crowd of people she walks through while she's listening to her phone. And there's somebody in a hoodie with a baby mask that stops and turns around and stares at her, but she doesn't notice this person uh, no. at this point. Uh, and just to be you know clear, I, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if um, you have never seen this film before, but um, the, the college is the Bayfield or is Bayfield University and uh, their mascot is the baby. They are the Bayfield babies. It is the yep. weirdest college mascot ever. <laughs> I don't get it. It's only because they wanted a creepy baby mask for the killer. And sure. <laughs> I was thinking through that today as many times as I've watched this movie. I've never really thought about why the babies. I also wonder if they just constantly thought through mascots that they just couldn't legally use. And so that's, they land on the babies it. and they're like, yeah, this is creepy enough. Let's go for it. Yeah. You, you know, I think last week tonight would have for a modest fee, let them use Jeff, the diseased lung if they really wanted to, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you know, probably not the best one for a college. 
Um, so she goes to the shortcut in this tunnel, probably under a highway or something like that. And she finds halfway through the tunnel, this creepy music box. It is <laughs> it's such a weird horror film tropey type thing. I, I, whatever. I, I don't know how somebody managed to time it that way. Uh, right. but also you see a completely empty tunnel in the middle of the night you're walking alone on a college campus and you see this in this tunnel do you walk in no no (laughs) no but tree being you know the massive alpha bitch that she is decides okay let's walk on in and uh, ha 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 real funny guys and all that and let's see here I, i think when she stoops down to pick it up that's when she turns around and sees Yeah, she gets to the end of the tunnel and there he is. And actually, she walks through the tunnel and the guy with the baby mask is there. And she's like, "Okay, you can stop being a creep. And then she says, I'm calling the cops now. And so he leaves. So then she keeps walking and then the music box actually pops up behind her, which gets her to turn around. And then when she turns back, there's our our killer ready to attack. Yeah, it's uh, I have no idea how Babyface manages to get back into and the to tunnel, do any of that started <laughs> up again. But but it's all you know, it, it, it works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, of course, Babyface strikes and uh, kills tree and she wakes up again in the same dorm room with the same ringtone playing. And Carter, oh, hey, you're up. I wasn't sure if you wanted to oversleep or whatever, blah, blah, blah. All the details start flooding into her and she's getting more and more confused. She's she's a little weirded out, but still not quite understanding what's happening. But again, still massive headache from the hangover and probably from being killed the evening prior. And she asks for Tylenol again. And this time she knows where it is and directs Carter to go and pick it up right and you know we get the line uh you know it's like you've been here before which will come back again um and then she steps outside after the once again horrible line from ryan about uh carter hitting that and we get uh the leering guy with the sunglasses the global warming girl all that uh, again and again and she's just slightly weirded out by it all still not quite freaked um but she's getting there um yeah. so everything repeats we get shorter instances of it and uh, and then we're at that uh, house meeting on the quad and she's kind of dozing her way through it again and you know tree tree what's wrong oh yeah just didn't sleep well no what's wrong with this and poor shaming yeah, of becky poor becky <laughs> being mean and, to becky again And she finally it clicks that she's experienced all of this before. And she tries to warn Becky as she runs off. But we again get chocolate milk explosion. And uh, ultimately, Carter is there again. And, uh, you know, she's. Things are not going well for Tree. Uh, And this is interesting because she does start putting pieces together because he gets ready to leave. And she says, wait, my bracelet. So she even knows his purpose of being there, which I thought is like a fun little like, okay, things are really starting to click. Like she is realizing this is no longer weird dream deja vu. Like I am actually living in the same moments and I can actually call these things out and they're still happening. 
Yes, yes. So she goes to the hospital and, you know, she's trying to explain this to the professor. But, you know, he just wants sexy times, even though it's very inconvenient that she's there. This time he locks the door and uh, wife knocks on the door and uh, she books it and heads back to the she locks the door. Actually, that's another one of those like she knows what's going to happen, because after she comes in, he goes, thank God you locked the door. Right. So she's like putting all these little pieces together. And it's funny how it's like almost coming out of habit. That's because that's how real it's feeling to her. She's remembering to lock the door. She's remembering to ask for the bracelet. She's remembering to warn Becky. So it's kind of cool to watch her start clicking with the world that she's now living in. Right, right. It's um, yes, uh, this is Sifu. And she's finally remembering where everybody yeah. will pop up and she is leveling herself up. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so uh, she goes home to the sorority house. She's, you know, sitting on her bed watching a video of her and her mom on their birthday. And uh, Danielle steps in, does her bitchy thing and does a horrible mocking thing of a deaf person. And it's just gross. And so bad. Yeah. That's when you're like, they definitely wrote her to be the worst kind of human being. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it's when they throw things like that into a film and it's like, hey, you didn't necessarily have to go there, but at least it was in service of just showing you how truly horrible, how terrible she is. I agree. I always find that line very fine to walk. Um, like we get how terrible she is. We didn't yeah. necessarily need that extra step. Like I'm bought in that she's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's one of the few moments that I kind of like roll my eyes and sigh at like, oh, I don't yeah. know if we needed to go that far. Yeah. Again, if you're making this film, you know, five years later and you thought about doing this, you might think otherwise. It's like, let's go yeah. back to 2004 and remove that line that uh, uh, Sean's housemate Ed says when he hops out of the car after uh, speeding up to pick everybody up. We don't need that anymore. Either. Yeah, we can cut that. <laughs> yes, exactly. We get how awful Ed is. We yes. don't need the racism as well. Um, exactly. So, yes, uh, she decides to go off to the party uh, tree and uh, she's going to take a different route this time because she has a pretty good idea of what's coming. Um, but uh, she walks up to the door and slugs bitchy Danielle's boyfriend or wannabe boyfriend. And surprise, it's a surprise party for your birthday. Party for her. Yep. Yeah. Uh, don't mess with a cap a bitch or something like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Danielle and Tree are hanging out and just kind of shooting the shit a little bit, ogling some of the guys. There's Tim, the, um, stalkerish dude standing off in the corner and, uh, still, you know, being a little bit of a red herring here as far as, you know, could he be the killer? Uh, they've, you know, used the professor as a potential killer as well, just from the way he's, uh, interacting with tree. Uh, and then of course, um, is it Nick? Is Nick the kid from the, yeah. the frat house? Okay. Um, so he pops up, you know, talks to them and yeah, Danielle's all over him, but he ha- only has eyes for tree and, um, they have their little interaction and then he walks away and, uh, and Tree says to Danielle, what? And Danielle's like, don't what me. 
you know exactly what you're doing with him. Right. Yeah. Little does uh, she know that the evening prior, you know, she was ramming her tongue down Nick's throat at the bar. And this was all. And Daniel saw all of that as well. Yeah. 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 Um, So then she nanigans in Nick's room and he turns on, you know, his pleasure dome sound system and she's not exactly impressed. So she gets distracted by uh, her text exchange with Danielle. Uh, Which Danielle's just straight up calling her out. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, Tree, you know, is able to give what she gets. Uh, But behind her shoulder, we've got Babyface stabbing the shit out of Nick and taking his place because, again, Nick was wearing the stupid baby mascot mask. And uh, so we get that fun little misdirection there and tree turns around and Babyface is just standing there and then finally looks down, sees Nick's dead and they tussle. And as this is happening. We have the door open with his drunk there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, now we get this wonderful cover up of sexual assault because that's what this guy thinks is happening and just walks out of the room screaming. These are such horrible people. I I, I don't even care that Nick's dead (laughs) because it won't matter anyways, (laughs) but I really don't care that Nick's dead. And then we get death by bong, which, uh, you know. Sure. Great. Um, so now we're up to day three. Uh, yeah. And uh, now yeah. she's in like full panic mode. Oh, yeah. She's absolutely freaking out at this point. Um, and we have her racing through all the little events that uh, we've seen before and makes it home to the sorority house. And Lori shows some amount of concern, but then, you know, largely blows it off as just tree being tree. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is the time that she decides, okay, fuck it. Just going to barricade myself in my room and watch Teen Mom. Yeah. And yeah. So this is one of those horror tropes of people not having any physical way to enter a space, but somehow being able to. Um, because. Of course, Babyface has been hiding in this room this whole time if she barricaded herself in there. Right. Um, But in some ways, it is one of my favorite tropes because I like it when people just pop out of the woodwork in a space where they have no physical way of entering. But uh, so, yes, uh, she can't find the remote. She's looking around. And this is, I think, where she finds the birthday card that has the the spinning baby head inside and something about not having a tomorrow or something like that. Um, So that's creepy. And she hears a noise. So she picks up the hammer she was using to save her or barricade herself in and checks the closet. Nobody there. And then we get the fun trope of the shower curtain, Uh, which I was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, the movies like this have made me hate closed shower curtains and small bathroom mirrors. (laughs) Those two things have made bathrooms so terrifying. (laughs) That works. That works. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And the thing about the shower curtain trope is at this point in, you know, the what? 50s, 60, no, 60 uh, years since Psycho. uh, 
You know, we're, we're at the point where when somebody thinks somebody is hiding behind a shower curtain, they try to subvert the expectation and there is never anybody there. Right. right? And there is never anybody behind the shower curtain except yeah. Babyface is hiding behind the shower curtain with the TV remote because as Tree is just about to check, the TV flips back on and she turns back. Well, yeah. that was the only place where Babyface could have been hiding because as she steps towards the TV, that's when, uh, you know, they stalk up behind her and they tussle and she dies again. Yep. All right. Uh, day four. Uh, Tree is really spiraling at this point, absolutely losing her mind. And in the middle of, uh, you know, near the coffee cart and the frat boys, uh, she's about to pass out from being freaked out and Carter grabs her and kind of saves the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what does he save her day with a coffee beanery? Uh, Aaron, when is the last time that you have been to a coffee beanery? <laughs> Literally never, actually. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that they still existed until I saw this movie five years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely a staple of the 90s. I remember at the mall, you know, being able to grab like an iced coffee or something. And it was just the coolest thing ever because Starbucks wasn't really a thing throughout the rest right. of the country at that point. But uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so tree kind of lays it all out and Carter's, you know, just listening and finally comes up with the idea. Okay. Well, you know, who would want to kill you? Let's get a suspect list together. And that list is way too long. Oh yes. <laughs> it, it's basically everybody on campus and the Uber driver. Yeah. She spat on, she spit uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, the short girl at TJ Maxx that she got fired is one that she says <laughs> like, it doesn't become a suspect list so much as a confessional at this point of how awful tree has been. Yes. Yes. But, uh, this is where, um, Carter basically gives her the idea. Okay. Well, if you're going to come back every time you die, why don't you just keep dying until you figure out who it is and then you can stop it. Great idea at first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, as far as we're concerned, sure, solid plan. She's not so jazzed, and ultimately she does have good reason for that. But yeah. uh, then we get uh, we get a montage. and uh, With complicated. It's so good. It's yes. my favorite point of the film. Yeah, I am not a Demi Lovato fan, but ultimately the song works, and it works really yes. well for the montage. It's great. Uh, and It's okay. such I, a buck wild montage to watch oh, her yeah. die over and over to see how she's like kind of gained this confidence in what she's doing. We have the famous, she just decides to walk home naked for no reason at one point. Cause she knows no one will remember it. Yep. Like, yep. yeah. And, and I got, I ask, love this montage. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the kills are cool. Um, so does every college campus have an army surplus? I got to ask, right? <laughs> the I, night vision goggles. Yes. Because I, I can't see her getting easy access to night vision goggles day of, unless they do. Yeah. But, you know, I, I definitely remember that from my undergrad experience. Yes, there was always an, an army surplus, easily accessible. Um, so she discovers why Tim is as weird as Tim is. Um, it's just he doesn't like girls. That's that's yeah. it. OK. Yep. And then and she I gets... love her like realization of it and how like accepting she immediately is. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, that's yeah, nice. yeah. <laughs> it, this all starts clicking, dies. right? Yep. Absolutely. So then uh, 
we, we also start to notice during the montage that uh, she has symptoms of her death the prior evening uh, when right. she wakes up because she's drowned and then she wakes up and spits out all this water and you know, she has specific pains from the kill the night before. And then the montage ends with this wonderful, wonderful transition of Tree getting clocked in the side of the head with a baseball bat and then falling into bed. After, After she, she clocks, clocks Becky. Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Becky. Poor Becky. Uh, she... Becky cannot catch a break in this movie. <laughs> nope, nope. She, I mean, eventually you know, she she gets a you know good little scene, but that's quite a ways off at this point. Yeah. But yes. Um, so Tree gets slugged in the head and wakes up probably with a concussion because as she gets up and does her whole thing, when Ryan gets to the door this time to be disgusting again, this is where she passes out uh, yeah. and wakes up in the hospital uh, with this cool little fake out of the fuzzy body walking towards her. And she thinks it's baby face, but now it's just Carter checking in on her. Yep. And uh, yeah, um, well, seems her injuries have been catching up with her. Um, and this is where it, we get another little brief red herring of Gregory. Cause he like, he ushers Carter out in kind of a creepy way. Yeah. This. You muted yourself, sir. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. His visiting hours are over line just seems like really forced and a yeah, little and really creepy. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah, we, um, we lose Carter and, Gregory, you know, talks with her and she starts to get a little freaked out by him to the point where she tries to be sly and it's like, I'm very thirsty. I could use a soda. And we can tell she's not from the Midwest because she didn't call it pop. But um, right. <laughs> <clears throat> but ultimately, yeah, he, he goes to buy her a, a soda and I, she gets the hell out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She runs to his office, finds his car keys and baby masks stashed underneath them. So she's getting more and more freaked out until she runs into him in the hall and he tries to, you know, console her and everything. And that's when we get Babyface stepping out and stabbing him from behind. So, yep. so OK, his red herring can be next. <laughs> yes, we can check uh, Gregory off the list. Um. This chase scene through the parking garage. Yeah, I enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, I know um, this movie does a really good job of actually balancing that. Like, I would say it leans more heavily into comedy. But when this movie gets tense, like it gets very, very tense. Like this is a very scary um, slasher film chase scene. And it's very, very like well done. Her mm -hmm. like sneaking through the cars and, you know, the trope of like, right. She's about to escape. He breaks the glass. But then she's able to just kind of like step on it. Like it's yeah, it's really well done. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's uh, very well directed. It's super competent for a comedy that's throwing in an action scene. Um, it works very much so. So yeah. she's on the road and she's like, yeah, that's right. I beat you, bitch. And uh, that's when the cops show up behind her. Um, so love. This yeah, scene it's a, too. yeah, it's a state cop. And, um, you know, it, you, you can tell because he's got a patch with Louisiana on his shoulder and shout out to Louisiana, because when you Google Louisiana, 
Louisiana IUD comes up in the top five suggested searches. So, yeah, we, we all know what's been going on lately, and that's just depressing as hell. Yeah. Louisiana is not a place I want to be right now. <laughs> no, I barely want to be in Michigan most times, but at least we're doing mostly okay where that stuff is concerned. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we have the cop, and he's, I love that he's just like, have you been drinking or any other illegal substances? And the, like, spark in her eyes, and she's like, wait, if I am, you'll have to arrest me? That's usually like how this works, her, like, yes. Yeah, that's usually how it works. Um, and I love that she jumps all over the fact, like, oh, maybe this guy can protect me if I'm arrested, which is totally fine with me. Mm-hmm. And then we get the awesome side swipe, and... Uh... Well, uh, state trooper's gone, and yep. it's babyface. Uh, well, this is after she's been thrown in the back of the uh, police cruiser, all cuffed up. Oh, I've never been arrested before. Yeah, she's like, she's very excited. <laughs> she is up for being arrested. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, he gets sideswiped out of existence, and babyface walks up. And this is where, uh, in my note taking, I'm like, God. Every time Babyface just stands there and stares or gives a little head tilt as he's staring, um, you get this awesome little music cue. And it's almost like a crying child type of sound. And it's spooky and absolutely perfect. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I have to go back and watch it again. I didn't, I didn't actually catch on that. Yeah, it's... Um, Anytime that he's just kind of standing there, it, it, okay. it's it's when they'll play it, and it, it's perfect. It's creepy as fuck. Um, so then we get the lovely explosion because as he sideswiped the police cruiser, ruptured the gas tank, and right. all that, and then he lights it, which I had never, for some reason, I had never picked up on the fact that, like, to make the connection of who the killer actually is, that they drop a birthday candle to light it i was like how have i never caught that like that is a huge hint of who mm -hmm. actually who the killer is mm -hmm. like that is one of your biggest moments that you could go ah i got it and yeah. i never have i don't know it's just this nice little subtle touch of the one single birthday candle and drops it to light the whole thing i actually noticed that for the first time as well during this rewatch it's it's perfect um, yeah and so she blows up and wakes up again and i think i lost this when she tells carter his plan sucks yes yes <laughs> and she's like and, i hate your plan <laughs> yep and uh let's see here and this is where you were roughly two-thirds of the way through the film but yeah this is where tree decides to finally address the roommate ryan with his fine vagina line and yes. um yeah she finally calls him out on it and uh yeah, uh, and Let's also know not so subtly that he will be single forever if he continues to talk to women that yes, way. <laughs> exactly. Or talk about women that way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, this is also uh, roughly two thirds of the way through the film where they are finally showing Tree walking Carter through the events of the morning to yes. convince him of the time loop. Something that she's probably done multiple times at this point, but right. they haven't really, you know. There really wasn't a need for the plot or just the pacing for them to get into it. But she's walking him through. Okay, sprinklers, car alarm, car alarm, frat boy. And yeah. yeah. Um, so they go to the diner 
and we get a super long, disgusting fart from Tree, uh-huh. and then a very heartful conversation about dads and moms. I really appreciate that she's just like, you won't remember. I don't care. <laughs> yes. Like, she's kind of accepted <laughs> that she's stuck in this reality at the moment. Like, it is gross. And he's like, oh, wow. And she's like, you won't remember. It doesn't really yeah. matter at all. Yeah. yeah. Everything is pointless. Nothing matters. Yes. I just want to eat my burger and my fries and be gross. Let me be gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am living a living nightmare right now. I'm going to do yep. whatever the hell I want. Yep. And yeah, yeah, the very heartfelt conversation about moms and dads. And also about the fact that she's not good, but he's like, that's fine. It's not too late to start being good. Yeah. Yeah. And, Which I really and, appreciate that. And this does click for her very, very soon because, uh, well, before any of that happens, actually, we get the TV over the counter at the diners uh, with its uh, about news broadcast Tombs. about John Toombs. You can't get any more on the nose with a serial killer's name than naming him Toombs. Uh, Tombs. Yep. Yes. <laughs> it's a what, very, very killer name. Actually, one of my favorite X Files Freak of the Week monsters, Eugene Tombs, the guy who could stretch his way through the vents. Uh, oh, and, yeah. 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 Uh, who was in two episodes, which is so weird because it was just like a Freak of the Week thing. But uh, in any event, uh, she runs off to the hospital to go confront the serial killer and she tells the, uh, the lady at the reception desk. Yeah, you got to call the cops. He's he's going to kill everyone. It's right. He's he is escaping. She now knows how this works. Yes. So she elbows the fire axe, gets that and uh, realizes that that cop is probably quite dead from the blood splatter on the glass of the door to the hospital room. Um, And she walks in there and I think baby face is like behind the door or something. Yeah. And he shoots the ax out of her hand. I know. Incredible shot. Great fucking <laughs> shot. Yes. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> she runs, he fires after her. Um, and Oh yeah. She's she, at the elevator trying to escape. Yep. And that's when Carter saves the day. He had yes. figured out where she was headed. Yep. Yep. Uh, only to get his neck stabbed for his troubles. Um, yes. So she runs off to kind of like this desolate, like closed off area of the hospital, because of course it's a horror film and you have to have the slightly abandoned Weird. portion of the yes. hospital. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she uh, squeezes her way through a chained up door and manages to find a crowbar uh, that she promptly clocks tombs with. And she's, she's got the upper hand. This is her moment, right. right? And realizes, oh shit. If I if do I this, win, Carter's actually dead. And she has started yes. to have those very, very strong feelings for him. I yes. love the realization. I don't know. I think I understood it without the line. I don't always love when it feels like yeah. they look right at you, the audience, to like tell you what's going on. Um, yes. But she does literally say out loud, if I kill you, Carter will be dead. Mm-hmm. I was like, Okay, I know I got it. I understood why you yes, were doing yeah. this. It's yes, also worth noting right before that, though, she does have the gun right before Carter dies, and she tries to shoot him after he snaps his neck. But the safety catch is on. Yep. Yep, because we're going to come back to that as well. So, yes. 
Yes. Lots uh, of but, little things that she like learns lessons. It's like yes. you said at the beginning of the episode, like she kind of has to level up as she goes through this over yeah, and over it, and over. And again. not so much in the understanding what's going to happen, but she is growing as a person and she is, you know, gaining some, uh, some emotional IQ points here and realizing that, Hey, she likes Carter. He's a good person. He does not deserve to die. I got to do something about this. So she climbs the bell tower and grabs a rope and hangs herself um, after telling him, uh, oh, God, what's the line? I, I did write it down here. Um, it's here somewhere. Oh, yes. See you again, asshole. And it's yeah. it's such a per- <laughs> perfect tropey action film style line. And it's yes. great. And she wakes up Her again. Owning with this that lovely... she's gonna come back, and she's like, "Nope, I know who you are now. This mm-hmm. is it." And like, yeah, that call out is actually really kind of badass. Yeah, yeah. See you she... again, asshole. <laughs> yep, yep. And then so she good. wakes up with this lovely crack of her neck from uh, hanging yep. <laughs> herself, and uh, she sees the Carters there, and she runs over and she just hugs the shit out of him. She is so happy that he is alive. Yeah, it's it's. Now sweet. I have a question for you. Okay. Um, and this came up as we were watching it today. She is experiencing damage through all of these. Like her body is creating scar tissue and all these things. And that's mm-hmm. why she ends up in the hospital. Now, does Carter have residual damage from getting his neck broken or a, anybody else who died who would be reset really the next day? Question. I Maybe it's just her because everything seems to be centered around her. That was my answer, too. Yeah, I said, I think because she's the only one who can carry memories and carry all these other things. Yeah, my guess is, no, they wouldn't carry over any residual damage. Yep. It's just fun to think about the rules of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is, you know, without hand wavy movie logic, I think that is very much a sufficient answer to this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. And and we'll get into another question uh, that I have for you about uh, several of the scenes. But there's probably a pretty easy answer to that. But we'll we'll get there in a minute. Um, So, yes, she hugs him. She lets him know, you know, she's so happy to see him and that he saved her. And, you know, she's ecstatic. And this is the moment. This is the time where she decides this is the fucking day. And she goes out to be a good person after spanking yes. the shit out of Ryan for his <laughs> uh, horrible comments. Um, so she walks outside and she snatches those Ray-Bans off of that creepy guy. And I, I got to stop it right here and say, OK, I know the Ray-Bans are not the most expensive sunglasses in the world, but they are significantly that dude just more accepts it. Yes, they are significantly more costly than, you know, the bulk of the 20th century when they were around. And I have a nearly identical pair, actually, by coincidence of um, Clubmasters polarized. And if somebody snatched $200 sunglasses off of my face, I don't think I would just be accepting of that fact. Yeah, I'm just saying (laughs) I'm going to be like, I don't know if I really ever like let that scene click for me until this watch through for whatever reason. But yeah, I was like, so you're just, you're just good. They weren't cheap. (laughs) You're like, I guess he, those are her glasses now. I'm going to move on with my day. I was just like, what? Yes. And, and I know he had like this whole aesthetic going on. I I don't know what he really was supposed to be, but 
Man, yeah. that that pissed me off about those club masters. Right. Um, so yes, she uh, she does that. She signs the petition to stop global warming, save that planet, girl, and uh, she slides the pillow underneath the frat boy's head just before it hits the ground. Oh, she also and warns the people about this kiss. <laughs> yes, yes, this chaste little kiss, and uh, then she finds Tim over by the walkway, and she's like, Tim. I get it. Go live your life, girl. And yeah. And Tim has this realization. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Like, love, is love. Like, yes. it's okay. Be who you are. <laughs> and yeah, the, like you can literally see the weight kind of lift off of him. Like, oh, yes. somebody knows yes. about me. That's great. Yeah. 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 Um, and then she's finally nice to the girl that's sitting on the front steps of the sorority house for once. Yep. And it's so sweet because she seems like the kindest little perfect little thing. And she just gets shit on over and over throughout this film. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This it, the first time I saw this, like almost got me a little teary eyed with how wonderful of a person she is. And she hits all these like really big beats and you are like pulling for tree so hard at this point. Mm-hmm. You just want to see her win. And this this also is probably like right there with the montage in terms of just favorite moments. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely adore, adore all of it. Yep. It's very uplifting. And it's a lot of it's just because this is payoff. We are getting such good payoff for uh, what has happened through probably the last hour, 15 hour and 20 of this film. Um, But uh, yeah, she uh, enters the frat house. You sneaky little biatch. Oh, hey, his name is Carter. We haven't had sex yet. But if I live through this day, I am going to have his babies. Um, Yes. (laughs) She's just fully acceptance that she's in love with the geeky kid. Like she's yeah. She barely knows her, by the way. (laughs) Who's what? Who barely knows her, by the way. Right. I I also called that out in this viewing. I was like, how does he feel like she's fully committed and in love with this boy who he still only thinks he met last night? Right, right. It's um, emotionally messy. But then he's like, well, you're super gorgeous and way out of my league. So I am going to go with it. Yeah, we're, we're just going to roll the <laughs> dice and see how this plays out. Uh, so she makes it up to her room, apologizes to Lori after the great callback of she finally rolls in. Uh, yes. <laughs> and apologizes to her for just being such a bad roommate. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. And we, Lori we doesn't see. know how to take it. She still tries to give her the cupcake. Yes, yes. And from Lori's perspective, I do understand. OK, she seems to be making this massive change, but compared with how she was last night. Nah, nah, Tree's still an awful person. I got to kill this bitch. Um, well, yeah, and Lori's already clearly snapped enough to murder this person. Oh, so yeah. like one heartfelt apology doesn't bring you back from that edge. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, so let's see. From here, she moseys off to the. Um, is it the sorority meeting and then no, lunch with dad she actually this is weird because she actually uh breaks up with the professor before the sorority oh, right. meeting um, okay oh that's right because it, it was the class the class happens before the meeting oh, before right. the hospital so we are following the correct series of events here yes yes because so she yeah, calls she him out in the classroom and then he steps mm-hmm. outside and she breaks up with him and 
blah, blah, blah. And then we get the glorious, um, I'm not going to let you coast by anymore. She goes, already dropped it, bitch. And throws yeah. up the middle finger. <laughs> I love the, the walk away bird. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely works. And then we get the house meeting where, um, neither tree nor Becky are there. And, you know, Danielle's very upset that some people just couldn't be bothered to show up to this house meeting. That's been on the calendar for weeks. And, right. uh, Becky comes in and she gives her shit about her lunch tray. And then tree shows up with fucking French fries and those chili awesome dogs, kettle ding chips. dongs. Yep. Like she is, mm-hmm. she is mm-hmm. in, <laughs> she's speaking my language here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, she's basically hey what's a few calories it's not gonna kill you and uh she gets called out a little bit for that and then she's becky's about to you know run off and have a good cry because you know she gets called a chonker um and yeah yeah tree's like no 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 dear you you just sit you sit down yeah, you can take this the chocolate, chocolate milk. milk. Yes, <laughs> and it's like just the grossest so looking just chocolate dumps milk it too. on her. Yeah, because it's very watery in its consistency. Um, but yeah, yeah, she she gets the best of Danielle, and everybody's kind of seems to love her for it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Only one girl gets up from that table to follow Danielle to make sure she's okay. Everybody yes, else is like, yes, I noticed that there was smiling. just one. <laughs> That's yeah. a ride or die. Um, yep. <laughs> but yeah. And then she turns around and there's Carter uh, to deliver the bracelet and she sucks face with him in front of all of her sisters there. And things are good. You know, yeah. hey, take me out for my birthday later. And okay, yeah. sure. I, I just mentioned last night, but yeah, whatever. You, this seems cool. Um, I'm in. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we finally, finally get lunch with dad who's about to take off because he's been waiting for a while at this point. Right. Days, yeah. technically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose so. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we get <laughs> all the feelings here yeah. in this scene, too. It's uh, so she good. apologizes for being such a bitch to her father. And, you know, they they kind of have it out there in, in a in a good way. And it's yeah, it's cool. It's. All the feels for sure. The beautiful and, scene. And to introduce the dad just for this scene, like they had good enough chemistry that you absolutely believe in their relationship and what this looks like. And um, I don't know. They sell it really, really well. Kudos to the guy who plays the dad. I can't remember his name, but neither um, can I. I get him confused with the guy from uh, Person of Interest, who is the cop that uh, they all knew. Oh, yeah. Who I think is a much older actor, but they have a very similar look. Um, yeah. So now it's time to gear up for the showdown with tombs and she's strapping on a knife and tying back her hair and throwing on a leather jacket and all that shit. She's ready to go. And we also find out um, shortly hereafter that this is day 16 at this point. Yep. Um, so yeah, she steals the cop's gun by knife point uh, who's waiting outside tombs door, which I don't know if that's the best choice, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, hijacking a cop doesn't seem like the play, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So she chases him off, telling him to go get help. And, uh, she goes into the room and she's like, I know you're not asleep. And he gets up and, uh, the safety's on still. Yep. And still hadn't learned that lesson, but now I don't think she's ever understood why it doesn't work. And now Tombs kind of writes his own check by saying the safety's on, little girl. So now she knows why the gun never works for her. 
Yeah. And so they tussle and uh, I, I neglected. It was freakishly the... strong, by the way. He oh, kicks yeah. through a steel chain door with a padlock on it and chucks this girl like a pro wrestler across the room. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. And we get the little payoff of her setting a timer for half an hour on her watch because it coincides with the blackout. And this is where she gets the drop on him, picking the gun up again. And I guess that thing gives me chills when the yeah. watch beeps and it goes dark and then she's just not there. I was like, mm -hmm. God, that's good. That is it's good slick. writing. You guys earned all the blackouts that we see this is something that hasn't played like too much significance throughout but it does it's obviously right? just another constant to point to Absolutely. and to utilize it in this way i was like chef's kiss that was so yep. good i think if this were just a straight slasher film that would be like yeah, yeah okay this is yeah. a hand wavy way for her to get the advantage but in a film like this with all the little callbacks and the groundhog day approach and everything Totally works. So, yeah, agreed. And especially case. because I think the payoff is so much better because of the watch like that. She did set it up as a timer. Mm -hmm. It's not like it happened and she just took advantage of it. Like she knew exactly when it was coming, if she needed it. And she did. And so, yeah, it, the trope happens a lot. But I thought this played really well into their story. Yeah. Um, and then. OK, so were there only three rounds in the magazine with this gun? Because <laughs> or well, because you see uh, she unloads on this guy. Yep. And then and it pops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought the same thing. I was like, you had four bullets in that nine millimeter. <laughs> I, I, I guess the department's cutting back, uh, you know, yeah, budget cuts. Know. Um, you better make every shot count, buddy. Every um, one of them. Yes. OK, so and then the other thing here. Uh, because we quickly switch to her lighting the cupcake with Carter in her room at the sorority house. And it's like, did you just like run away from the hospital then? Because if the cops came back and you stayed, that's exactly you... what I assumed. I was like, as soon as she hears those sirens, she had to have just booked it because it's mm -hmm. not like the cop knew who she was, but you obviously, whether or not you killed the serial killer, you can't hijack a cop and yes. take his gun. Yes. <laughs> They're going to yes. have so many questions. Yeah. You would have spent at least the next 24 to 48 hours at the cop shop for sure. Yes. <laughs> so yes, uh, they get the fun little back and forth between her and Carter and she blows out the candle on the cupcake and wakes back up at day 17. And it's your birthday. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, hey, you're awake. And oh, she is so upset. Yeah, <laughs> she's so mad. Carter does not understand. Wait, you killed um, somebody? What? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when she just like, we don't really do anything else. She storms straight to the sorority house, right? Right, right. And uh, Carter, uh, the line that he said to Ryan every single morning for the past 16 days. Nice one, like dickhead. This. He says to himself this time. Because she's gone so fast that he mm -hmm. didn't even get there. I thought that was a neat little callback of him just saying it to himself because the day has to repeat. Yeah, I really mm -hmm. I noticed that, too. Yep. So she makes it back to the sorority house and she's OK. I got to go. I'm leaving town. This it's the only way. So she starts packing a suitcase and uh, Laurie, the roommate, is just super insistent with this cupcake again. 
Yep. And it finally clicks for Tree. The only thing that was really, truly different was that I finally ate the cupcake and I died in my sleep. Yep. Fuck. And then this is a perfect call out. She like starts calling out. She's like, you're really crazy. She's like, okay, cool. Eat it. Have a little mm-hmm. bite. Mm-hmm. And then when she doesn't and she doesn't know how to get out of it, I like that tree's like, cool, let's take this cupcake down to the police station. Maybe they can tell us what's in it. Mm-hmm. And that's when obviously Lori finally breaks face and we yep. find out that that she's actually the the killer. Hence the birthday candle, which is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and you finally start to realize, oh, no, it wasn't tombs. No. All these different times. It was always Lori with the exception of when she goes to confront tombs because it was only her releasing him as a way of covering things up. Oh, there's a secure serial killer who has claimed to have many, many bodies hidden that were never discovered of people that were never attributed to him. This would be the perfect cover up for me killing my roommate. Yep. So she has been the baby face the whole time doing all the killings and it's, really well done i think the generic black hoodie is a perfect way to like make you think it's a man the entire time Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a fantastic reveal all through Mm -hmm. um like i don't know we've we've killed off all the red herrings including tombs now um and so it's it's awesome and then they get into this (laughs) fight and we get another action hero line from uh tree eat it bitch and she shoves the cupcake into her mouth yep and then she looks up at the light fixture and we get the most securely fixed light fixture in the world that does not rip out of the ceiling as she uses it as a pivot to kick Lori out the window who falls right in front of the poor Korean girl. Yeah, it's really sad because she's so nice. You just want to give her a hug. It's... I know. <laughs> uh, and, and then and the we, blood splatter. I like that. Everywhere. I was like, there's got to be ways that they need to prove this. And while it is a little unbelievable that she's at a diner already with Carter, yeah. um, instead of answering a whole lot of questions for the cops, um, we just get that kind of wrapped up that, yep, They've obviously proven that she was the killer. It's on the news, all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. and then we get that, you know, hey, so you, now that your room's a crime scene, you know, you want to sleep over again? And, you know, that's kind of cute. And uh, then he brings up Groundhog Day. What's Groundhog Day? You know, with Bill Murray. Who's Bill Murray? And- you know, the Ghostbusters. And she's like, no. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that they call it out. You have to, right? You're using this trope. Might as well just own it. And yeah, it's. Yeah, there was something else where there was um, some kind of like pop culture reference that Carter brings up earlier in the film where she just kind of goes with it. But you're thinking to yourself, yeah, she doesn't know what he's talking about. She has no idea. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But uh, then we get the fun little fake out of her waking up in the dorm room again. And he says the exact same shit. And (laughs) nope, it was a big fake out. He was just calling her phone just to mess with her. And, you know, they they have their little fight that ends up in them rolling around on the bed. And Ryan shows up again. He's like, again, I just want cleared underwear. I don't want to spend another night in my car. It smells like (laughs) hot pockets and feet. If your car smells like hot pockets and feet, that's more of a you problem. I was, was going to say, I was like, it's time to clean your car, bud. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then we get credits with these awesome greeting card animations. That that was yeah. a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, that's it. That's my girlfriend, she was like, I would be livid. Like, it is too soon to play that prank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's especially if you have in any way any understanding of what this girl has been through for, you know, the better part of three weeks now, ultimately, yeah. of reliving this over and over and over again. Yeah, that's kind of a dick move. Um, yeah. <laughs> that said, you but know, she's up until sport. this point, she was kind of a raging bitch. So that's you know, true. <laughs> it, it's fair. It's fair. It's uh, I think yeah. she can take it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, man, that's happy death day. It was so good. I love this movie. It's so yeah. much fun. And oh. the Groundhog Day trope is they just they play with it so well. Um, I like how much fun they had with it. Um, that montage with complicated. Some of the deaths are hysterical, like her and yeah. Danielle fighting and rolling out into the street and getting hit by a bus like just uh, it's all so good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. It's um, it's the same kind of fun that you get with. Um... Uh, edge of tomorrow seeing tom cruise die yes. over and over again yeah yep i i like this trope and i think it's probably because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily running to the ground like you only have a handful of these movies okay. um but it's it's a lot of fun when they play with that formula mm-hmm. and it's incredibly well done i mean shout out to christopher landon um have you seen freaky mm so that's one of his more recent films. It's a body swap horror comedy uh, that has Vince Vaughn as a serial killer who is inhabited by the um, by the mind and soul of a teenage girl. OK, I'm into that. It's a lot of fun. That it's next on the list then. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think uh, he's got a real knack for directing horror comedies. I'm pretty sure he yeah. wrote that one as well. Um, yeah, shout out to uh, Christopher Landon because he's also the writer of every single paranormal activity film with the exception of the original. I have never seen those movies. They terrify <laughs> Most me. Most of them are pretty bad with the exception of the, one. the, first, the one first one. The first one I hear is just so freaking scary. As fuck. It was, um, you know, for my generation, it was the Blair Witch Project. For millennials, it was paranormal activity for sure. Okay. I saw Blair Witch Project in theaters. I am that old. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. We are definitely that old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the lack of hair and all the gray. All um, right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's an interesting cat. Uh, it's funny because, you know, his dad was such a wholesome actor, you know, Little House on the yeah. Prairie and Bonanza and Highway to Heaven and all that. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think he, he still inherited quite a bit of um, quite a bit of skill for this kind of thing from his father. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on Happy Death Day? Honestly, no, I think I got it all out. Just how much I love it. I just think it's such a fun time. Like it's like the most enjoyable 90 minutes um, for a horror comedy that you can have. And speaking of which. Thank you for making it an hour and a half. Like it is such a crisp movie. Like it just flows so well. And I think it's perfect for that hour and a half formula. Yeah, it is certainly not the director's cut of Dr. Sleep. 
for sure. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome and flies by, but that is indeed three hours. And <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, in some ways feels like a mini series, but it's one film. Um, but yeah, uh, happy death day. Absolutely fun ride. It's one of those where every time you see it, you might pick up something else that you never noticed totally. before. Case in point, our rewatches, we absolutely notice some new stuff. Uh, and that's what makes it so fun. Uh, yeah. Aaron, uh, I know you already mentioned, but just one more time for the people who made it this far, if you'd like, where can people find you? Uh, I put most of my bullshit on Twitter at Aaron Sini, A-A-R-O-N-S-E-A-N-E-Y. It's just my name. Keep it simple. Um, yeah, that's where I talk about most everything. It's also where I promote Give Me 20, the 20 minute comedy podcast, which you can find on all your favorite podcast services. And then um, that one is audio only. Speaking of Stadia, you can hit us up on Twitter at Speak of Stadia. And that is both audio and video. We do that over on YouTube. Yeah, and be sure to check Aaron out in Simply Sassy's fairly recent Out of Our League episode. It's a fun watch. There are some uh, yeah. interesting conversations there as well. It was, it was sure. a good time. Oh, you can also check out my MCU Extended at Point in Progress. Uh, I just guessed it over there to talk about Moon Knight. Oh, cool. That was a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Nice. What'd you think of Moon Knight? You know, no, don't, like no spoilers for the episode, but. Yeah. Baseline, I like it. I think it has issues. It's kind of weird episode to episode. But being only six episodes and none of them cracking an hour, it's the quickest binge. So yeah. highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. That it's multiverse a lot of, of madness. Super um, good time. Yeah. Yeah. It, I will say the episodes that are directed by uh, Benson and Moorhead give me such high hopes for their uh, whole run of Loki season two. So yes, should be some good times because they're just yeah. weird. They are so weird. They're so good. Yeah. But this has been murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Uh, don't forget to like share and subscribe and all that stuff, but I'll be back soon enough with another episode until next time. Stay spooky. Everyone. <laughs>